You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us here tonight on the Rates and Lanes podcast. I am your host, Rico Muhammad, and tonight our resident mentor will be dropping by with us tonight to answer and take your questions, Mr. Chuck Snow. And Chuck, if you're on the line, go ahead and press number one. That way we can try to get you in the queue. Tonight's going to be a little bit of a different show. I thought that um, I was going to have some time to do it as I normally do it. Going to have to make some adjustments and do some things on the fly. Um, my uh, customer had some uh, delays in different things, and so they ended up not being able to get loaded earlier like we anticipated. So we are probably going to have to get rolling here in the in a little bit. But never no mind. Um, tonight we're going to start off as we normally do, looking at the USDA fruit and vegetable report, if you have a copy of this report, or if you would like a copy of this report, I should say, you can go over to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page with Rico Muhammad. Go to Rates and Lanes with Rico Muhammad over on Facebook, and there is a link up on the uh, Facebook page for you to click on and get a copy of this report. This week we got um, about four markets that may show a little bit of opportunity in those markets. And those are Idaho, Merrill County, Oregon. They are showing a shortage of trucks. Upper Valley, Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho is showing an outright shortage of trucks. And Columbia Basin, Washington is showing a shortage of trucks as well. There is a one more area that is showing a slight shortage of trucks, and that is Michigan. Some areas that you might want to stay clear of right now areas that are showing a slight surplus of trucks, Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, and Central and South Florida, those areas are showing a slight surplus, and there's one particular area that is showing an outright surplus of trucks, absolutely at all costs, probably want to avoid this area unless you're taking your backhaul with you, that area is San Luis Valley, Colorado. And like I said, you can get you can obtain a copy of this report up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page. You can go over there, click on it, and it'll take you directly to the USDA report. There's a lot more information on this report that is contained in here that we don't necessarily cover here on the podcast. Uh, there is some rate information down deep deeper into the report. You have to uh, I advise a word of caution uh, when using that rate information because. The, US, the USDA really does not have a proper vetting mechanism. They just take, they just kind of take whoever word for that they survey or what, what kind of rates that they're getting, and those rates are normally very, very, very inflated, uh, not really a realistic, real-world uh, rate information is contained in that report. So I just throw that little disclaimer out there for anyone that happens to try to go and look at that report for any type of rate information. And without any further ado, we will jump right over into this week's DAT Trend Lines report for the week of January the 22nd through the 28th. Demand continued to decline seasonally, but the spot market volumes haven't fallen off sharply in January. 
like they did around the same time a year ago. Van and reefers, reefer rates each fell an average of one cent per mile, while the national average flatbed rate rose by one cent per mile. So let's take and go into a little bit more in-depth on this report. And also, if you would like a copy of this report as well, there is a link for you there on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page for your viewing pleasure as well. So jumping into the van demand and capacity portion of the report for the week of the 22nd through the 28th, van volumes have been pretty solid over the past three weeks. Unlike 2016, the number of available loads hasn't slipped badly in January, but vans have been easy to find in most parts of the country. Van load postings declined 9% last week and truck postings increased by 4%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to decline by 13%, down from 2.9 loads per truck to 2.5 loads per truck. The national average van rate fell by one cent from the previous week. So let's take a look and jump into the rate information for the week of January 22nd through the 28th. Spot market rate information for dry vans. And we're seeing a typical January slowdown with the van rates down one cent lower to an average of $1.69 per mile on average. Outbound rates decline in many of the major markets, including Los Angeles, Atlanta, and Chicago. Taking a look around the country, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in, showing an average outbound spot market rate of $1.64 per mile. We have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing an average outbound spot market rate of $1.88 per mile. Moving up into the Midwestern portion of the United States, we have Chicago checking in, showing average spot market rates of $2.01 per mile. And we have Dallas, Texas checking in in the South Central portion of the United States, showing average outbound spot market rates for dry vans at $1.51 per mile. Rounding out the report coming out of the West Coast, Los Angeles, California, showing average spot market rates at $1.95 per mile. Moving on over into the U.S. flatbed demand and capacity report for the week of January 22nd through the 28th. Load availability dipped by 15% while truck postings rose 3%. That led to a 17% drop in the load-to-truck ratio, falling down to 18.1 loads per truck nationally. The national average flatbed rate edged upwards by one cent per mile compared to the previous week. Jumping into the U.S. flatbed rate information for the week of the 22nd through the 28th of January, the national average flatbed rate increased another one cent per mile to $1.91 per mile. Taking a look around the country for flatbeds, beginning in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Harrisburg, Pennsylvania checking in, showing average spot market outbound rates for flatbeds at $2.52 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in, showing spot market rates on an outbound basis at $2.12 per mile. Moving into the south, uh, excuse me, the uh, midwestern portion of the United States, Rock Island checks in, showing flatbed rates at $2.32 per mile on the spot market. 
Now we're jumping down into the south-central portion of the United States. Houston, Texas checking in, showing average outbound spot market rates at $2.02 per mile. Rounding out the report, the west coast, Phoenix, Arizona checking in, showing outbound spot market rates at a paltry $1.77 per mile. And jumping on over into the reefer demand and capacity report for the week of the 22nd through the 28th of January. Reefer low postings declined 14% while capacity rose by 8%. This caused a 20% drop in the load-to-truck ratio, falling to 5.3 loads per truck nationally. The national average spot market rate for reefers dipped by one, one cents per mile, as we stated earlier. And I didn't give out uh, earlier that the average fuel price for this week has dropped by 0.4 pence. If I can talk tonight, ladies and gentlemen, by 0.4% national average spot market, I mean national average rate for diesel per gallon is $2.56 over the past week. Uh, let's jump over and look at how the rates were performing over the week of the 22nd through the 28th. And the national average reefer rate declined by one cent down to $1.97 per mile. On the spot market, some of the biggest uh, drops in the price were in the Miami markets in some parts of the Midwestern market. Taking a look around the country, starting out in the Northeast, average outbound spot market rates out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, showing $1.70 per mile. Coming out of Lakeland, Florida, down in the southeastern portion of the United States, we show average spot market rates of, of $1.32 per mile. Coming out of the Midwest, we have the average spot market rate out of Green Bay, Wisconsin, $2.67 per mile. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, uh, coming out of the Rio Grande, McAllen, Texas, showing spot market rates of $2.03 per mile. And rounding out the report, coming out of the west coast, Fresno, California, showing average spot market rates for reefers on the outbound side at $1.93 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up this week's DAT report. Like I said, if you would like to uh, have a copy of this report for yourself, you can just go over to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page, and we have it there for you. You can click on the link and go directly to it. And now, without any further ado, if I can get my, if I can get a little cooperation from my uh, computer, I need to get in here to try to get to this bad and ugly broker report for you guys this week. Um, last the last couple of weeks has been quite an eventful week, to say the least, on this uh, bad broker, bad and ugly broker report. Um, Let's see here. This week we have ah, quite a few coming back onto the list again for this week. Um, picking up from where we left off last week, adding new additions to the report. Starting off this week, we have Worldwide Liquidators LLC. This is a shipper, Worldwide Liquidators LLC, is out of the land, Florida. They have no broker authority or bond. 
the uh, truckstop.com has received notice of nearly $9,000 in unpaid carrier invoices. They consider this shipper to be a very high risk. So this is a shipper that is making uh, making waves, and you have you have to go and get you an attorney if you have direct shippers to deal with some of these situations if you run into the situation of, of shippers not paying you because they don't necessarily have a bond for you to file on. So you have to be uh, make sure that you got good things in your uh, – if you're dealing with direct shippers, that may be a good thing in, in, in some instances, but you have to make sure that your service terms and conditions, if you're getting hung out to dry on something like this, that you got something to where you can get you, – you're getting late fees and, and things of that nature as well when, you, when you're uh, being put off on that. And you can find out all about that if you have Henry Seaton's uh, book, Rules of the Road, we put that uh we put a link out there. Like I said, you can get a discount on that book, a twenty percent discount if you use our discount uh link when you go purchase the book. Uh moving right along to the next one, Axum Logistics L L C Axum Logistics L L C their M C number is eight oh nine five nine three. Surety bond has been canceled. Over ninety seven thousand dollars non payment claims have been reported. They are considered an extreme risk. Or extreme risk. Cagney Global Logistics Inc. MC number is 303409. Uh, they are considered an extreme risk as well, with unpaid invoices showing in the amount of over two hundred fifteen thousand dollars. Trading all fresh transport. MC numbers two five two nine zero five. Surety bond canceled. Over $100,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Now operating as All Fresh Logistics Inc. That MC number of the new carrier is 989-932. Carriers beware. And see, this is some of the stuff that was supposed to have been handled when they changed up some of the laws with the uh, chameleon carrier clauses that they had a, a few years back. Some of the stuff, I don't, I'm not sure how some of the stuff is slipping through the cracks, but um, it, it seems that it's happening anyway. Uh, Cardi Logistics LLC, Cardi Transportation LLC. That MC number for Cardi Logistics LLC is 929-464. FMCSA shows that the trust fund is canceled. On one twelve seventeen. over $11,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Flying Eagle Transpo- Transport LTD. MC number 517898. FMCSA shows surety bond scheduled for cancellation on 2 3 17. Uh, they have nearly, good God Almighty, they have near, notice of intent for nearly $16 million in unpaid carrier invoices. Flying Eagle Transport LTD. Nearly $16 million in unpaid carry invoices. This is going to be a big one. Uh, once again, that MC number was 517-898. Next on the list, uh, just kind of following up on one that we already covered, All Fresh Logistics, Inc., MC number 989-932. This broker formerly operated as Drayden, Inc., that MC number for Graden Inc. was 252905, which is now out of business, leaving over $100,000 in unpaid carrier invoices being reported. 
The next one on the list, Overland Express, LLC, MC number 515-790, trust fund canceled, over $24,000, and non-payment complaints have been reported. Lodestar Systems, Inc., MC number is 855-8626, excuse me, MC number is 858 8626-858-626 for Low Star Systems, Inc. FMCSA shows trust fund scheduled for cancellation on 215 over $16,000 in non-payment complaints. Intercoastal Wholesale and, Distri- and Distribution, Inc. MC number is 835 8- 934, that's 835-934, surety bond council. They have received notice of nearly $54,000 in unpaid carry invoices. They are considered an extreme risk. Lake Estate Brokerage, Inc. and Lake, <coughs> excuse me, Lake State Transport. MC number 246-129, FMCSA shows trust fund Scheduled for cancellation on 216, over $21,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And rounding out the list for tonight is EZ Logistics LLC and EZ Trucking LLC. MC number is 674-877. Over $7,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up this week's good, bad, and ugly broker reporting in, and in one instance, shipper report. So make sure that you're doing your due diligence, you're vetting these people before you uh, are extending credit and doing business with them. And without any further ado, we're going to bring on our resident mentor and get a little bit, uh, maybe get some input from him on some of the stuff that we've been hearing as far as some of these brokers are concerned, because I'm pretty sure he's got something to say about that. So let's welcome in our resident mentor, Mr. Chuck Snow. Chuck, you're up and on live with us. How are you doing, sir? We're well. How are you doing, Rico? I cannot complain. I ran into a little bit of an issue a little earlier with my shipper. I thought I was going to be a going to be a little bit easier of a road to hold tonight, but it looks like I'm going to have to be uh, riding a little later than what we anticipated. Well, that happens. At least I hope uh, none of your receivables are on that list. No, sir. No, sir. No, we 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 uh kind of like Santa Claus. We put them on a list and check it twice. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, the list seems to get a little bit longer every week. It's it's scary. <laughs> oh, you I, I I don't know. I can't remember if that was you one week that we had on or was that the I think that was the week that we had uh seating on here. Good God, it took me about 30 minutes to get through that list. Oh jeez. Well, maybe it's gotten better now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's 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 still a little rough. Uh, starting out, it's still a little rough, but um, but hopefully, you know, um, people are being more cautious. People are, are being more aware, and they are doing what they need to do to protect themselves um, to not get caught up in a web of of uh, dealing with some of these unscrupulous people out here. Uh, there's no shortage of them. And, and, you know, times like this, they seem to come out of the woodwork 
Um, and you know, there's a, there's an awful lot of pressure. I think you know, and we've talked about this uh, several times. But just for our, uh, our newer listers and and ones that have forgotten this part, that some of these brokers have the best of intentions, and either sometimes they get hammered by a bad debt, and they're not strong enough to handle, uh, you know, a bankruptcy that they face. And other times they're just to stay in business, and we see this all the time. Uh, they're giving people these suicide rates that they can't op. You know, there's nothing left for them to run their operations, and the result is that they go under. Um, you know, when I hear ones like that one that you mentioned for 16 million dollars, that sounds a little excessive. Um, you know, that's that's very serious. Uh, and I would imagine somewhere along the line that probably borderlines on fraud because sixteen million dollars is a lot of money. Absolutely, it is. Well, we talked a little bit yesterday, um, and come to find out, <clears throat> um, yesterday the new transportation attorney down here, uh, uh, well, I say attorney, the new transportation secretary. Uh, Elaine Chow was confirmed yesterday, so we have a new Secretary of Transportation. Um, kind of interested, not sure if you know a whole lot about or if you were up aware of that. Um, any any uh, indications on how uh, Miss Chow may uh, Secretary Chow may affect the transportation industry? And uh, and that's not only a question for Chuck, but that's also a question to everybody listening in tonight. If you if you have any opinions. We'd love to hear your opinions on how do you think that the new uh, Trump administration is going to have any type of effect, if if any effect at all, on the transportation industry. It's it's, it's kind of we're just kind of taking a little bit of a, a survey and, and polling our audience to see what you think may be coming down the pike. Uh, Rico, I think we should go on better, not just on the transportation industry, but how it's going to affect your particular business. Because if you're a uh, if you're a hauler, uh, you know, running in and out of uh, Laredo uh, with auto parts that originate in Mexico, or maybe they're parts that are going down to one of the assembly plants, that's going to certainly give you a much different frame of reference than you know if you're a, uh, a hauler hauling uh, manufactured pro- products from Ohio to Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma to New Jersey, you're gonna, you know, you've got a different frame of reference, and I think it'd be really interesting for everybody to hear how this, the new administration, how they perceive it's going to affect their particular business, because we're all different. I know up in Canada, um, there's certainly a fair bit of intrepidation, in, you know, on behalf of the trucking industry, and certainly other industries, whether tariffs are going to go in place on freight going into the U.S. that is manufactured in Canada. Now, we may be in better shape than uh, your neighbors to the south of you uh, because of the fact that our standard of living is very high. The cost of operations in Canada to manufacturing is sky high. So it's not unfair competition as far as being able to um, lower operating costs when all the costs are higher. But I don't know how that's going to I have no idea how that's going to uh, play into effect with the new administration, whether they're going to overlook that or whether we're going to get with the same hammer as Mexico. And nobody really knows for sure. Uh, But 
you know, the Trump administration has gone on record saying that they do want to renegotiate NAFTA. And I can tell you that having been a survivor of NAFTA, when it first came into effect, it was really, really painful for us. Um, the change is always painful. I think change in the trucking industry is double painful, and it quite often doesn't happen gradually. It happens very quickly. And we lived through the implement, implementation of NAFTA, which took a while to hit, but it certainly did. Uh, immediately, we saw some uh, results from it, and, and it did hurt. So to have it change again, it, we were a little bit, uh, we're a little gun shy to see what will happen. But, you know, that's, that's our perspective. Um, there's a lot more American truckers that are listening to this podcast than there are Canadians. So I would really love to hear your take on, on where you're going um, in your own business as well as what you think is going to happen to the transport industry. Well, I'm I'm kind of taking uh, me myself. I'm taking a more of a wait and see approach. Um, I'm you know, Trump is definitely a wild factor. He's, he's definitely oh, a wild card. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and I'm not uh you know really there's not really a whole lot as far as a track record to go off of to kind of have an indication of which way he may move or which way that he may, may really react. And uh, and I'm trying to do a little bit of more research. Um, I was trying to do something before we came on the air, but like I said, had some some stuff come up. But I was trying to find out more information about this new transportation secretary. I was a- unable to uh, get anything substantial to bring to share with everyone tonight. But if if there's someone out there listening that has had an opportunity and, and does know a little bit more, like I said, we would definitely love to have your participation. Uh, you can just press number one to get into the phone queue, and we'll di- come directly to you and, and kind of pick your brain and see what you see where you stand on this whole situation. And um, while we're waiting on that to see if we can get any participation from any uh, audience members, uh, Chuck, it's been a little while since we checked that since we have spoken to you. What's been going on? and What's new up there on your end of the spectrum? We seem to, uh, you know, as always, we seem to be fairly busy. Uh, one of the good notes is that for a change, and, and this doesn't happen every year, and I think it's a sign of, um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say robust economy, because I think it's, uh, I don't think the Canadian economy is robust by any means. However, uh, it's a good sign when we don't see any slowdown between, you know, after U.S. Thanksgiving and into, you know, usually as a rule, once you guys uh, pull the turkeys out of the oven, we die until quite often February or March. And we seem to, as an industry and and our business, our particular business, to be brisk right through. Um, and that's a great sign. We, uh, you know, our numbers were good all through the holidays. They were decent. Um, and then we didn't take a dip at all first week of January, which is always scary. You know, I always think, you know, after Christmas, even if you have things robust, um, after Christmas, it usually dies down a bit. That didn't happen at all this year. And we seem to be going full, you know, uh, full bore. 
so that's really encouraging to see. I, and talking to other people up here, trucks are in great demand, which is a great, you know, it's something nice to hear compared to a lot of other years where, as I say, everybody is in the doldrums for the first, you know, month or two of the year. So that part is, is excellent. And Traffics has got lots of stuff going on. We actually had a, uh, this is really fun, we had our Christmas party in January this year. And wow. anybody out there that holds a Christmas party for their staff, uh, I can tell you that that's the best time to do it because when you do it in, historically, we normally do it in November or December, and you're competing with the people that work with you with their family activities uh, and friend activities, all their other activities. And in January, it seems that people really don't have a whole lot of venues to go to and we had a great turnout, and it was an amazing party. I think some of it could be on our site if you take a look. Uh, we we did get some great shots of it, and it was uh, better than almost any party we've had in years and years. Cool, cool. Well, um, the other thing that um, I'm not sure if we're getting a whole lot of participation right now. I'm not seeing a whole lot. Not seeing a whole lot. We got a, quite a few callers on the line. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, like I said before, this, you you make the show better. So we definitely welcome and, and want to hear more participation from you guys. Um, and when it comes down to the new year, I'm not sure Trump had came out with, uh, President Trump came out with something earlier in the week where they were supposed to have been doing away with uh, certain, um, certain new uh, um rules that were passed, they were supposed to have been doing away with them, but I'm not sure if that's going to really have an effect on the ELD mandate. And uh wanted to try to also get some feedback from the audience about the ELD mandate as well to see, um, you know, are you being, are you getting prepared for the ELD mandate? Are you ready for it coming down the pipe? Do you need any help in suggestions on some different things for your operation? There are a couple of different uh, ELD um, platforms that I have used that I can give you a little bit of feedback on. I have used both uh, Big Road um, and I've also used, I'm currently using right now is the one that I eventually decided to go with full bore uh, because Big Road at the time, I was very early on the Big Road train, but they didn't have a, a um, at the time, they didn't have an apparatus to where you could hook directly into the motor. So it became a little bit of a, a conundrum at some inspection stations, particularly in Missouri. In the state of Missouri, uh, they tried to violate one of my drivers um, on a log violation when we were actually using the uh, Vic Rover because it wasn't plugged into the uh, motor or the ECM at the time. Uh, they They their law in their particular state would, would not allow us uh, to count that as a true uh, electronic logging device. Uh, so we went ahead and switched over after that incident. We switched over to the Rand McNally T&D 760 model. It's the fleet edition model that plugs directly into the ECM. And right now, that's what we have been currently been using. And Chuck, I would imagine with operation your size, what, what type of uh, you know, what what type of solution are you guys using? 
Well, we're my, we've got uh, the PeopleNet system. We've been using it for at least five years. Uh, not that's the only thing we we have used, and uh, you know I can tell you it's worked really really well uh, because it works right into our operating system. And the the one thing I wanted to say, uh, we're getting more and more buy-in and, and interest from our customers finally not all of them uh some of them really want to still bury their head in the sand uh unfortunately and you know they're looking for ways to not deal with it i was just with a client this morning and they're you know they've got multi stops so it's got to be um it's got to be real hard for them and they they recognize that and this is a customer that Previously, they've been pretty arrogant, and be, just because of the type of freight they have, um, I think an awful lot of carriers realizing that it's just not compatible uh, at the present rates uh, that they were getting using uh, ELDs. There's no cheating, and that's what I said to the customer. You know, we're going on to real time, and they're starting to realize that. So they actually called us in for a meeting, and. Uh, They've got to change the way they do business. It's all going to change, and their yeah. transportation costs are going to go up. Absolutely, I kind of, I've kind of, I've been saying for quite a while now that you know I understand that a lot of people have their strong feelings about this whole ELD thing, and a lot of people don't really want them. Um, and and I guess it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to see for the people that you know it, it really didn't. Uh, I really didn't stand one way or the other. I just figured that it was already coming. I figured let me go ahead and get ahead of the curve and let me get uh, acclimated to it and dealing with it. And that way um, it also has helped me out in a couple of different situations that I can verify and prove that our truck was where it was supposed to have been when we said it was there. Um, I, you know, it, as far as going back and, and, and uh, verifying some stuff and getting with some detention with some folks, you know, when you got that GPS marker that puts down and there, there's no doubt about it, then, you know, that kind of helps uh, put things into your corner. Let's go, going to jump over here and grab Steve. Steve has a comment about the e the e-log mandate. Let's go and grab Steve. Let's see if I can get him up and yes. on board with this. Hey, Steve, you're up on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, Rico and Chuck. Yeah, I've got two things about the e-logs. Uh, first off, uh, talking about the, uh, uh, you know, the regulations being pulled back. Uh, the e-log uh, uh, e regulation that FMCSA put in was mandated in the 2013 uh, highway bill by Congress and passed, and the president signed it. Uh, then they came up with the rule, and it's gone through the district court and the court of appeals, or it's gone through the court of appeals, uh, the three-judge panel. They rejected OIDA there. Then the full uh, court of appeals rejected it. They have – OIDA has uh, – uh, they have appealed to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court right now is a 4-4 tie until Mr. Gorsuch gets in in a few months, a couple of months. And so a 4-4 tie, even if it came up as a 4-4 tie uh, with the Supreme Court, it would go back to the to the Court of Appeals uh, the last the last uh, 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 the last uh, uh, decision. So so it's in for December. There is one way. Uh, that would be for Congress to pass and President Trump to sign a bill 
changing that, but, but it was a mandated bill in the 2013 uh, uh, highway bill. So it, it's going to come unless there is congressional action. Uh, pretty pretty sure. I I doubt I doubt that the uh, Supreme Court will take it even. But uh, that's one thing. Now I'm under e-logs. Uh, I work with Landstar, and I stay out ten days. I'm on my way home right now. I'll get home tomorrow. Uh, down where you like to go, down in eastern North Carolina. And uh, I'll get home tomorrow, but I I run my last three days on my recap. I stay out. I work all 10 days. And on my e-log, in those 10 days, I usually work about 5,500 miles. I do LTL. Chuck was talking about LTL. I do do less than truckload. I do multiple stops. Uh, The only thing that I see that an e-log can give people any trouble, and they're just that's an hours of service problem. It's not an e-log problem. It's the 14-hour window. You've got bookends on that 14 hours. You are not going yep. to go past the 14 hours. And most people want to be flexible. They want to stop before D.C., let the traffic clear, and go by it, and, and then let their log catch up with them when they get to, uh, you know, up on, up on 301 up there. They want to let their log catch back up with them. You can't do that with an e-log. You've got to be very efficient with your time. Uh, I pick up time with the e-logs because when I pull in, I pull in most of the time. I'm going to the same customers all the time. I go, I go on duty, not driving. As soon as I pull up back in, I go off duty. So I save a lot of time. I may, be, I may use six minutes at a stop. You don't have to use 15 minutes. It says if you're not working, you don't have to be on the bottom line. And I'm not working at that point. I'm backed in, and they won't let you in these stores. So. Uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm all through. So I actually had my e-log down for a couple of days back a few months back, and actually it was just the GPS function. The rest of it was working fine. So I was on paper logs for two days, mainly because of where I was in 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 uh, on the where I was when I, you know, at, at shift change or at change of duty status. Uh, and but I compared the e-log because the, the numbers went on just like normal. It's just GPS didn't show where I was. I compared those to the paper logs for those two days. One day, I lost 42 minutes being on paper logs because you had to put down 15 minutes at each stop on a paper log. Uh, and on and on the on the uh, other day, I, I lost 38 minutes. So in two days, I lost an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, you know, so so I'm able to go. I'd say I'm able to go about. 40, you know, every eight days I can go about almost 4,000 miles, 38, 3,900 miles, and stop, and fuel, and pre-trip, and post-trip, and every seven days about 3,500 with all of that. And if, if you can't make your money in $3,500 every seven days, you probably need a better contract wherever you're at. That, that's my feeling because uh, I do mine in 10 days and I stay home for four. I've got a, I've got a regular, regular route, same customers, that kind of thing. So uh, that's that's my thoughts on e-logs. I love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, people that can work with them love them. I, you know, I remember one of our first drivers that uh, went on them. He came in here to uh, to start driving for us. We handed him a paper logbook, and he said, "I'm not doing that." Uh, he said, "I've been using e-logs for a couple of years. You give me e-logs," and he was the one that taught us, and um, right. and it works for him. And you know. One of the big things here is is managing your time, and yep. I think that you know there are some 
drivers out there that their time's not man they can't manage their time because their time is mismanaged for them by shippers and receivers and and that's an issue especially if you're doing LTL but even with truckload um and I think that's an ongoing issue in certain industries and and particularly uh certain uh certain docks that we all hit that just have no respect for the drivers or their time but if you've got a uh, an arrangement or arrangements where you can bump a dock and you can get your freight off uh which is the way it should be really um yeah, right no nobody should have to wait 4 hours for somebody to show up to take off two skids at a loading dock that's ridiculous yeah yeah, it is. I don't do food warehouses, and and like I say, I I love LTL because I'm in and out of most places in 20 minutes. Uh, you know, yeah. As long as you can do that, stay efficient within your 14 hours. Now that being said, once in a while you're going to get held up. If I'm held up over two hours, then I'm I've always I've always split my log for years. Well, I'll do eight and a sleeper that night if I have to, and then the next day I'm gonna have to make a have a two somewhere in there. Usually when you're picking up. You're you're there close to two hours making a full pickup, so oh, yeah. you know I, I'm usually have you know I, I, you can, I can usually do that and I can manage the if I get a little behind I can manage it by taking eight and a sleeper and then the next day matching up to the great thing about e-log is that that clock on there lets you know exactly how much time you got left on each line and and so uh, you you know splitting your log is not a, an issue most people couldn't do it before because they couldn't do math. That's right. <laughs> you can do math. You, you have to count backwards. That's true. I mean, or you can do a uh, flip. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, you you probably you've looked at many a log where the guy ended up before and after his split. He did 14 hours of driving because he didn't know how to do math. I mean, it's happened before <laughs> when you won't pay for logs. We all we all know know about it. Math was one of my things that I learned. I had a great great teacher back in the 90s that taught me how to log. Uh, and back then we did log flexible because we had paper logs. I mean, but but right. that being said. You're you're a lot safer if you have that. If somebody pulls out in front of you and you have that wreck, I've got a lawyer friend. He said all the lawyers do now is two things: they they subpoena your logbook and they subpoena your phone records. So they go back for eight days. If they see a pattern of if they see a pattern of falsification, which a lot of guys, if you're running flexible, you're being false, and that and those then those phone records will tell where you are every time you get a call. So That's right. they, they match those up against the logbook. And they get millions out of trucking companies when that happens, even if it's not the trucker's fault. You know, they, there was a, there was a one case of about seven or eight years ago, a, a drunk driver went the wrong, did the wrong way onto an interstate, hit a truck head, you know, hit a truck head on and died. And truck driver, you know, wasn't his fault, but they found all kinds of a falsification in his logs uh, for the previous week, and you know, the company ended up paying that family of the drunk driver millions of dollars. So, uh, as a company owner. You know, you and your your risk management people, your insurance people, uh, probably. I, I think that's where we're going to end up having ELOCs. The the, uh, the insurance companies are probably going to require it at some point. So that's that's. I, I think you're right. And, and, and everybody and needs it's, to get it's on. Funny, it. It's funny that you say that. It's funny that you say that, Steve. That you know, and that's one of the things that um, I know a lot of the old timers and, and a lot of people, because you know, this show is really catered to. The, the small guy, the owner-operator, the one, the, you know what I'm saying, the, the, the smaller guys. And normally the smaller guys, if you think about it, you know, you're doing this and this is your livelihood, and if you happen to get in a situation like you just described where 
you know, um, you get into a, a, a nice lawsuit like that, then basically your 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 company, your career is basically over because once that insurance, once your insurance company pays out a claim or something like that, uh, it's going to be uh, fairly impossible to get another. You know, they're going to drop you like a hot potato, and then it's going to pro- be uh, fairly impossible to get another insurance company to pick you back up if you get involved oh, yeah. in something like that, whether it, whether it's your fault or yeah. not. And that's why it's that's why it's, it's it's much easier and better to go ahead and just you know the old saying that my grandfather used to say, son, if you got time to do it to do it once, you got time to do it right. So you know, <laughs> right. just try to take that take that take that uh, and you know take that on the advisement and take that with you. Um, and and yeah. I, I understand that you know that we have and like I've said for years and years and years as well. We have got to get out of the, the the practice of doing work for free. Um, and and, and the e logs, yeah. I you know, it's going to take a little bit of coaching. We're going to have to start training ourselves and our customers. But we got to get out of get out of the practice of giving away free labor. And we've been giving away free labor for so long because we just come to the conclusion that hey, we can make it happen. We we'll we'll be flexible with it, and we take on all that undue and unnecessary risk upon ourselves and upon our companies. And and we're letting uh, you know the, the people that should be compensating us for everything that we do, and we should be charging them for the things that we do. We're letting them off the hook by not uh, you know by giving away that free labor. And I think that yeah, this that, will that'll help change with Elog. Yeah, absolutely. I think with Elog that'll put pressure on shippers and receivers to get you done. You know, at least in a two-hour window. If you get done in a two-hour window, there's a whole lot of guys, especially go to food warehouses, will jump for joy. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think it will put pressure on them. I don't really care about the mandate. I just want you know, I mean, really, as as business owners, I'm sure that that Chuck does when he can. I mean, he's trying to you know, he wants to keep his guys moving, and you know, he has to talk to his customers sometimes when they're really really slow. Uh, you know, and and and, and when Luckily, you know, about just I mean, I, I work with a few good agents, and anytime I'm held up more than two hours, I get paid, and so you know, I, I, I so I let them know I'm getting paid. I let them know how much I'm getting paid. Somebody's gonna pay it, them or the shipper. <laughs> if they I mean, if that's if I'm at the receiver, somebody's gonna end up paying. So I just let them know very nicely. No, I'll be getting paid. I, you know, but uh, and and then sometimes they'll kind of hustle up. Then they figure, well, this guy. He knows he's getting paid. That means uh, they'll put it in my bill, or they'll put it in my invoice for this product, or something. You know, they'll they'll uh, they'll they'll put it in the product, so we're paying it. So they need to start. You know, like say that'll that'll put pressure on them. But uh, I think they're coming. I you know I know everybody's wishing and hoping. There's going to be a lot of regulations that'll help business out that'll probably be scaled back. And I don't think we'll have a a, a, a speed limiter law. Sorry about that, Chuck. I know y'all got it up there. Uh, but uh, I don't think we'll have that. And I think some of the things like that will be, I think they may look at hours of service, bring the e-logs in, and let's give flexibility. Let's say you stop the clock for five hours if you're at a shipper, and you can stop the clock, sleeper then, and match it up with five later, you know, and, and do the split a little bit differently. If they could do that, I think FMCSA has a study going with Virginia Tech Transportation Institute right now uh, and, and on that on that split on the split uh, sleeper, so we you know, have to go back to where we need to go. 
You're right, Steve. Yeah. We need to go back to the split right. sleeper, like all over, and especially when we're running into a metropolitan area, whether it's Washington or New York or whatever. You don't want to be there rush hour. You pull off somewhere if you, you're able to uh, sleep, get some rest, and then go through five hours later when traffic's died down. It's it's a better use of assets. Um, you know, the world is talking about greenhouse gases. With trucks sitting on, on roadways idling, doing one mile an hour, that's not helping the environment, uh, number one. It's, and also, it makes things very expensive because in the end, somebody at the end of the pipeline is paying for that. Um, the other thing is that I think is a, a dangerous thing right now is since we can't split our, do the five-hour splits when you're running team. Now, we don't have a lot of team uh, teams here, but we do have some. Um, you know, the five and five, I used to run teams sometimes years ago, and that five and five is great for teams because you can't. You know, what are you going to do for 10 hours in a truck? Right. It's pretty right. hard. At least five and yes, five. Sir. Well, Steve, no, I was just going to say, Steve, we appreciate the phone phone call and the input. We're going to try to get somebody else in. Let's go, and I think we got us another Steve that's uh, here. Let's see if we can get him up and on board. Steve, can you hear us? Hey, how are we doing today? We're good. Oh, how are you doing? Help? I'm doing great. Uh, well, whenever you're talking about the uh, e-logs and all, um, I don't have anything against e-log because I'm currently on them now, and um, you know, and and you know, and I have done the uh, paper logs. But the thing and the issue about the e-logs that I think that I don't think it should be mandated through the government to force people on them. I think that if the people like to be on e-logs. They should be on e-logs if they, if they want to do paper logs. You know, I think that they should be on paper logs. It should be a choice, not some type of mandate or anything like that. And you know, that's kind of my take on the on the e-logs. I mean, I'm on them. I'm I'm comfortable with them. You know, and um and I operate on them every day and operate efficiently on them. But at the same time, you know, I'm just looking at the concept of forcing people to be on them against their will. And that's the thing that I, you know, the regulations that I don't like about the e-logs in that area. And um, uh, one of the questions, one of the questions, I'm sorry. I'm no, go ahead, go ahead. I'll, I'll let you finish. Okay, one of the questions that I want to ask you guys, uh, with 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 the new administration in and and Trump, you know, doing the, the Trump administration and signing different treaties and, you know, and we want to re- renegotiate the uh, trade agreements and everything like that. Uh, I know it's hard to predict in that sense, in that area, but uh, and the reason I'm asking this question is because within a, couple, a few months I'm filing for my authority, you know, and I've been listening to you guys over the years, uh you know, uh, getting tips from you guys about uh, how to operate and how to run and customer service and everything like that. And uh, I'm just wondering, um, uh, is do you do you guys think that I'm uh, stepping too fast, especially when he's saying he's going to renegotiate the trade treaties and everything like that? Because it really uh, depends where you run, um, where you're operating. Uh, what what sort of work are you planning on doing? I'm gonna do drive in, and I'm gonna uh, basically stay uh, in the uh, southeast portion. And um, and you know, one tip that I do have is that all of my equipment is paid for. 
I, I think he should probably be fine. Um, I don't think you'll have any issues because I don't think what you're doing is going to be impacted at all by the uh, by a change in NAFTA or anything else. Um, you know, if you're running interstate from, you know, from one point in the U.S. to another, uh, where you know where it's not going to Canada or from Canada or Mexico, you should be uh, you should be fine. You know, um, if you hook up with some. Uh, good brokers or third parties, not the ones that Rico mentioned earlier on his list, um, <laughs> but some, uh, you know, people that uh, have proven track records. I think you've got a good chance. Start there and then start building a business where you get customers through direct source. Uh, eventually, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, that that's the area that I plan to go to go in, and that's the area that I plan to work in. Um, you know, and and like I said, I listen to the tips that you know that you guys give out and and um, and all, and I'm I'm real comfortable with uh, doing it in that area. It's just that you know all these uh, trade agreements and you know and the uh, tariffs and all that kind of stuff. It just you know just kind of in a sense sort of worried about rates dropping well, or one thing one thing that you can definitely do, Steve, is if that's a concern for you. Research the potential customers that you're looking to do business with. Research them and mm-hmm. see if see if anything that that may come down the pike may affect them. Then 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 of course you know as the old saying goes you know it, it all goes downhill. You know if if you're in that if you're a um, provider of services to anyone that may be affected to that. But if, but in a in a division such as dry vans, uh, you're going to have such a diverse uh, pool of customers that you can solicit from that uh, you should be able to insulate yourself a good bit. I think that within the next, um, you know, I'm kind of predicting that we, within the next six to eight months, we really, the trucking industry ought to have experienced pretty good, strong, steady growth. Uh, after about eight eight months, it, it's, uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure because that's when we're going to start to see a, uh, a lot more of the effects of whatever this new administration is doing. You know, some, we're going to start to see some of that stuff uh, actually starting to gain traction on whatever, whatever the things that they're doing now. You may start to see some of this stuff begin to gain a little bit more traction down down at that point in time, and then you kind of have to reassess from that point. Uh, but, you know, research your customer base that you're looking at doing business with and see if they have any entanglements that may uh, that may that may cause you some problems or whatever that, of things that may come down the pike. But like I said, with with the dry van, you got such a diverse customer pool, and especially in the southeastern portion of the United States, there's a, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of customers that you can pull from that you can uh, kind of insulate yourself if you if you're definitely going after the more of a direct customer. Uh, it, it definitely that that should be a, a tremendous amount of opportunity still left to be had in that particular segment. And, okay, uh, I got you. And appreciate, yes, sir. Appreciate the phone call. There, I meant to um, didn't mean to put you back on hold so quickly, but I was trying to uh, want to try to get one more caller in before we get ready to wrap up tonight. And uh, we got Johnny, Johnny calling in. Johnny, you're up live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hello, Johnny. Hey, Johnny, are you there? Can you hear us? 
okay, well, maybe we're not going to go to one more conference. <laughs> 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 well, Chuck, we got about four minutes left in the show. Uh, want to try to give you an opportunity to, to let, let the guys and girls know how they can get in contact with you and uh, what you may have to offer for some of our listeners out there. Uh, well, we have border freight going to and from the U.S. We also have some uh, Canadian domestic freight, and every day we're getting a little bit more U.S. domestic freight uh, for reefers, uh, some flatbed, and some van opportunities. And I can get you set up with traffic, and so we'll pay you right away. That's not a problem. Um, and you can call me direct. I do answer. If you don't get me on my phone, uh, just leave a message. I call everybody back. Uh, call 800-388-4352. My extension is 203. You've got to press 203. Otherwise, you're going to go around to about 60 or 80 people in this building till you get me, and by then you may probably give up. So if you call me at 800-388-4352, press 203, you get to my personal voicemail. Um, the other way you can reach me is very easy. It's Chuck, C-H-U-C-K, at traffics, T-R-A-F-F-I-X.com. Uh, I will answer all emails. It's an honor to be able to give back to an industry that's given my family and I so much, and that's why it's an honor to help all of you. Uh, I get the opportunity sometimes to meet up with people in person that I've been able to mentor, and they've taken some of my advice, and it's nice to see them do well because it's a great industry and it takes a lot of great people to make the wheels turn. Absolutely, and once again, Chuck, we want to be thank you for being gracious enough with your time to come on and spend a little bit of time with us and, uh, you know, kind of give us some different pointers and tips on how we can improve our business models and, and get try to get to the next level. We want to definitely send a shout-out and thanks back to the home front. One of my lovely daughters is back screening the phone calls for us tonight, so we definitely want to give them a, 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 a quick little kudos to them. And, of course, there's an entire lineup of podcasts. All you have to do is go over to LessTruck.com. There, uh, we're constantly adding more and more podcasts to the lineup. Uh, if you are interested in getting on to the text message, I uh, think that you can go over to LessTruck.com and follow the instructions over there on how you can get involved on getting the text messages when the uh, podcast come out, the text message alerts. And there's an entire lineup there for your pleasure to let you know what all is, uh, what all different podcasts we have throughout the throughout the week. And most importantly, we want to give shout out and thanks to the entire Less Truck team and family, and to Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for providing us with the platform to be able to bring this show to you guys each and every week. God bless you. Good night, and we'll talk to you the same time next week. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise as always. Until next time, God bless you and good night, everybody. Good night, Chuck. Thanks again. Good night, Rico. God bless. Be safe. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. 
To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the Ride Down the Audio Road.